Who was missing at Easter? Who was missing at Easter? Now, you might kind of start to begin to think, you know, it's actually a five-letter name. Starts with J, ends with S. But we're going we're gonna to kind of, we're going to tackle that question here this morning. But ever since 1970, at Madame Tissot Wax Museum in London, England, thousands of international visitors are asked to name the person, whether past or or, or present, whether real or fictitious, they are to kind of cast a ballot for those that are hated or feared the most. And uh, Sarah and I have an opportunity later this year to kind of, we're going to celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary, and we might go to this wax museum. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but they're to, they're to say whether they're, whether they're real or fictional, whether it's past or present, who is the most hated and feared individual. The name that has topped that list the most times was Hitler. That was the time that, that it, it is the top. Through the years, it's included Richard Nixon, Margaret, <laughs> Margaret Thatcher, Jack the Ripper, and just this past year, uh, Vladimir Putin made that list. But as far as I can tell, Judas Iscariot has never made the list, and that surprised me. I mean, think about it. This was the man who betrayed Jesus Christ, the very, the very Son of God, the very King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the very, the very Prince of Peace. His name is synonymous with betrayal. None of the 11 disciples made Collins' English Dictionary, but Collins defines Judas as Judas Iscariot, the disciple who betrayed Jesus, a traitor or betrayer. That's when you, when you look it up in his dictionary. None of the others have that. It's just him. And so let's kind of Let's kind of see his story a little bit. You're going to wonder, hey, how does this necessarily connect with Easter? I promise we're, we're going to do that. Matthew chapter 27, the words will be up on the screen. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, was remorseful and brought again pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cut down pieces of silver. We're going to try to roll with this a little bit more, Mike. Sorry, I don't, I don't know what's happening. But threw down the pieces. I actually know exactly what's happening. This is Easter, and he's trying to fight this message. So those of you that are praying, warriors, pray for me right now. Because the devil loves to do this kind of stuff and get my mind away. And this is, this is an important message. This is an important time in, in the life of our church here. But we're in verse number five. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for me to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and brought with them, bought with them the potter's field to bury, to, to bury strangers in. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. 
Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. If immortality was Judas's goal, he certainly achieved it. People do not like Judas or what he did. When, he, when was the last time you saw a St. Judas church? I mean, even, even a few years back, we kind of had kind of Bible names or maybe uh, kind of the, 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 the flavor of the month, so to speak. We had Joshua and Josiah and Jeremiah and Aaron and Levi and, and so on. But you've never heard anyone that's named their baby boy Judas. Now we've got Judah, but we don't have Judas. For that matter, you might even remember that Jesus' younger brother's name was Judas. But when he wrote the letter, which we evidently would become a New Testament letter, he did not use his full name. It is, it is called Jude. We read the book of Jude. Now, why is it that we, not, we do not read the first and second Pete or first and second Tim? Right? It's first and second Peter or the first and second Timothy. But Judas, he felt the need to shorten it to Jude. Could it be that he did not want to be identified with Judas Iscariot? Would you? But who was he? Who was Judas Iscariot? Well, we actually do not know all that much about him, but we do know that his father was Simon. And that his surname, Iscariot, was probably a combination of the Hebrew words ish and kariot, kariot, which would then be translated man of kariot. And from the Bible, we discover that Judas was one that held the, held the purse or held the treasury bag. And so he would ultimately end up stealing from that treasury bag. And, and we know that from Scripture telling us that. But what would compel a man to sentence one of his closest friends to one of the harshest deaths that's ever been recorded in this world? Well, why would he do that? Well, I want to suggest just a few reasons that, that might have been why he betrayed Christ. Well, being from Kerioth, Judas would have been the only non-Galilean in the group. It may be, we don't know, it may be that, that he got a little bitter over being the odd man out. And that drove him to kind of his shameful deed. Most likely that's not the case, but it is potentially the case. Another would be, it may be that he turned crown's evidence to save his own skin. And then he saw the enormity of what he had done. And then he went and killed himself. Again, most likely not the case, but a potential reason for why he would do this. Maybe it was just plain and simple greed. Maybe it was all about money. Now, he probably would have denied that, but oftentimes when someone says, hey, it's not about the money, often it is about the money. Each coin would have been around a denarius, which was a full day's work, and so 30 pieces of silver would have been the equivalent of like a month's wages. How many of you would like to get that in one day? It'd be awesome. Sometimes money talks so loud that it cannot be ignored. Maybe it was greed. Maybe it was the money. 
It also could have been that Judas came to hate Christ because he could not hide his inner self from him. See, others looked at Judas as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple, as someone who was kind, someone who was a a good man, but Jesus was able to look to the heart. He was able to look beyond the exterior, beyond the the, the powerful deeds. I mean, he literally would have healed and cast out demons in Jesus' name when they were uh, sent out two by two. And so others would have seen this kind and good and maybe from the outside, powerful man. But Christ could see the inside. And so maybe he wanted to destroy the one who could see the inner recesses of the heart. Maybe. Maybe. It also could be that Judas's last name was not a derivative of the Hebrew Ishkariot, as much as it was the form of the Greek word that meant dagger bearer. Now it's the Sakari. I'm not sure if I said that right. It's kind of like the, the, the Greek translation of it. But now the, the dagger bearers were a band of violent nationalists who were prepared to use every means necessary, including assassination, to free the Palestinians from Roman rule. So maybe it was that. Perhaps Judas uh, had set his hopes on the Messiah who would deliver his people from their oppressions. And when he didn't, he gets a little bent out of shape and it's okay, now it's time. If you're not going to be the one, then it's time to die. Another option could be that Judas never intended for Jesus to die that day. Instead, he hoped for forced, to force Jesus' hand so that when he was betrayed, he would use the power to liberate Israel. And if that was the case, the tragedy of Judas was witnessing how that did not come about by his own hands. So why did why this happen? We don't know. Judas Iscariot, the friend. Jesus called him a friend. The, the confidant, a disciple, a treasurer. Traitor. Traitor. How it must have broken Jesus' heart when Judas was the one that stepped out of the crowd to come and kiss him on the cheek to indicate who Jesus was. The name Judas indeed will go down in history being synonymous with betrayal. But the question that we need to ask ourselves is on Easter Sunday, 2023, Judas? Why Judas? But the question we need to ask is, is when Judas hung himself on that day, what did he miss? What did he miss out on come Easter? And that's our lesson this morning, to make sure that we do not miss out on what Judas did. So if we go back to the text, in verse number five, we say, then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. So he went and he took his own life. But if you were to keep going down through the passage, I think we only read to verse number seven, but if you keep going down, you're going to discover that Judas hung himself even before Christ was sentenced. He hung himself before Pilate was finished questioning him. Judas was already dead. Before Barabbas was released, when the crowd was like, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas, Judas, he was already dead. Before Jesus was scourged, with that whip, exposing all of his organs. 
Judas was dead. Before the crown of thorns was literally beaten into the brow of Jesus Christ the Savior, Judas was dead. Before they nailed Christ to the cross, what we looked at so beautifully on, on Friday night, before that even happened, Jesus was dead. But the real tragedy of this is that when Jesus, while he was up on that cross, as he's been nailed there, he's looked out onto the crowd, looked out to the mob, those that have spit upon him, those that have slapped him, those that have beaten him, those that have literally nailed him to the cross. He looks out on that crowd and he says in Luke 23, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But Judas was already dead by his own doing. So what did Judas miss? Judas missed out on the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. He missed out on the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Now, you might be one of those that are, that are listening to me right now, and you might begin to think, well, you know what? He did something that was so bad, so heinous, there is no way that he could ever be forgiven. But the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack or slow to fulfill concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Did you catch that? I tried to, I tried to emphasize it there. The Lord is not wanting, the Lord is not willing that, that any should perish, anyone, not even, not even Judas. Just as it was Judas's decision to betray Christ, it was also Judas's choice to go to hell unrepentant. This was his choice. To write off the possibility, hear me, to write off the possibility that Judas Iscariot could have obtained forgiveness. Man, that, 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 that's scary to write that off. You see, Christ's forgiveness is not dependent upon our behavior. And for that matter, it does not even matter whether or not we deserve it or he deserved it. The forgiveness that each one of us needs, the, the, the redemption is dependent upon one thing, not your actions. It's dependent upon the grace of God. And the grace of God has been defined as God's unmerited, nothing that we can deserve love and favor. It is God bestowing that upon us. And surely Judas needed undeserved love as much as we do, if not more than we do. He could have received it. You know, the saddest part of the story is that Judas came so close to forgiveness. If you this morning were to list the three things that are required for us to experience the forgiveness of God, they would be that we ought to acknowledge our sins. You start there. And then you have a sense of, of remorse over our sins. And then you accept the forgiveness that's offered to us in Christ. You accept that by faith. That we all are sinners and we become remorseful of that sin and we accept the free gift that Jesus Christ did for us. So how close did Judas come? Well, it says in verse number seven or four of our text, saying I have sinned and that I have betrayed innocent blood. Well, that's Judas acknowledging his sin. Judas didn't try to justify himself or to excuse what he had done. 
he didn't say, well, they, they really do know who he is. It's just a matter of time until they capture him. And so I just aided the process. No, he didn't say that. Judas didn't give the excuse of, well, I didn't know that they were going to kill him. I didn't know they were going to take, take it to the lengths that they were going to literally, you know, just take him off and have a mock trial. No, he didn't do that. He didn't give any excuses. He said, I am, I've sinned. And I betrayed innocent blood, an innocent man. We also have that when Judas realized Judas was being condemned to death, he was filled with remorse. And he changed his mind and he goes back and he takes that money and he throws it back at the feet of the, the, the leaders there. Remorse. Now most of us have felt remorseful over something that we've done wrong in our life at some time or another. But usually, it's after we get caught. I think sometimes we are indeed, we are like David who would say, I have sinned against the Lord. But I think if we're honest, David only said that after, after Nathan came to him and he said, hey, you are an adulterous and murderous man. And then he comes before the Lord and he says, I, I'm a sinner, Lord. And so I think we all have some form of, of remorse here. Yet even with Judas' acknowledgement of his sin and his remorsefulness, he still could not bring himself to ask for forgiveness. And while two out of the three are great, it's not enough in this case. We acknowledge that we're a sinner and we have remorse, we repent of our sin. There's, there's agony over our sin and then we ask Christ to forgive us. There's people in churches today that are all over the Bay Area and might even be here today, who know the truth of this verse. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We'd all say, yeah, yeah, I've, I've sinned. Did you see my house trying to get little children ready together for Easter this morning? You know, they got to put the cute dresses on, like, ah, or they wet the bed, or whatever the case is. Like, come on, we all know what we're talking about. So I think we can, yeah, yeah, we've all sinned. And, and, you know, when it comes to God, God's perfect, God's holy, absolutely. I'm not, I know I'm not perfect. So, yeah, I think a lot of us were willing to, just like Judas was, was willing to say, hey, you know, I admit, I'm wrong. I, I do wrong things. I 100% am sinful. But for some reason, many just can't bring themselves to seek forgiveness from Christ for those sins. I don't know what's holding them back. I don't know what might be holding you back, whether it's stubbornness, whether it's pride, but I do know that it's a dangerous game to play because you do not hear me. You do not have to hang yourself to miss the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. As we've celebrated today in song, and we're going to get there more in this message, three days after Jesus and Judas died, Jesus rose. Judas didn't. Judas was still dead. And as Christ appeared to the disciples after his resurrection, he made this statement that never applied to Judas. John 20, verse number 19. Then the same day at evening, this was the evening of after he rose, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, they were scared. For fear of the Jews, Jesus came. He appeared to them, and he stood in the midst. And what did he say? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. 
So Judas, secondly, missed out on peace. Ah, he missed out on forgiveness. He never heard Christ say, Father, forgive them. He was part of the problem, for they know not what they do. And he missed out on this peace be still. Oh, that quality of peace. It eluded Judas. He seemed to have lived without it. And now it appears that he has died without it. Judas never heard the proclamation of peace that Christ gave even in the upper room. Literally, he sends Judas away to go and betray him. And Jesus said in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He never heard that. He was already gone. He lacked the peace. I wonder if his mind ever went back to the times that Jesus had taught earlier on the topic of peace. He clearly didn't have that peace that Jesus spoke of. Many in our world today do not have this kind of peace. See, the world can never give you that peace. And let me prove it. Suicide is the second greatest killer of Americans ages 14, 15 to 44. Teen suicide has increased so sharply over the past 20 years. Oh, we look happy. Everything looks great. Everyone thinks that we have the world in the palm of our hand, but we know that's not true. Deep down inside, we know this morning whether or not we have peace. It's easy to externalize it. It's easy to put on the, the happy face. And by the way, you know, we don't necessarily need to come to church like this. Okay? But it's also really easy to go like this. Hey, I had a great week. And you know you didn't. So I do want Redwood to be a place where we can be real and honest and raw and authentic and loving each other. We can hug each other if we're having a bad day. We can hug each other if we're having a good day. But listen, we know whether or not we have it. Felix Powell was the, the composer of Pack Up Your Troubles in Your Old Kit Bag and Smile, Smile, Smile. How many of you know that song? You've heard it before, yeah. Pack it up, smile, smile, smile. It was once called the most optimistic song ever written. Yet Powell died by his own hand. Took his own life. Every year in America, over 40,000 men, women, and children take their own lives. Why? Because often they are missing a critical ingredient, and that is peace. Peace. Paul wrote to the Christians in the city of Philippi, Be anxious for nothing in Philippians 4, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then verse number 7, And be in the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that through your relationship with Jesus Christ, you can experience God's peace, which is far more than the mind can even understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds. What a beautiful thing. Listen, if you are a Christian, this is a, a wonderful, wonderful promise. If you have that peace, then you know what I am talking about. You try to explain it to someone else that doesn't have it, and what do they do? They kind of just look at you funny. 
She's talking about this inner, inner peace. There's chaos all around you. You read the news, everything is chaotic, and yet there's this, there's this centeredness to you. There's this peace to you. Paul says it's, un, it's, it's, it's beyond even comprehension. You can't even fully understand it. You see, when most people talk about peace, they think about what is kind of going on in the Middle East. They think about what's going on in Ukraine or maybe even our city or your city, whichever, wherever you live. Or maybe you even think about it within the confines of your own neighborhood. But the peace that the Bible talks about here, it's even more than the absence of war. It definitely includes that. So if we're at war with one another, there's definitely not peace there. But it's so much deeper than that. The Greek word for peace is the word erene, which literally means to sit with one again. It primarily is referring to broken relationships. When we are granted forgiveness, it's what Judas missed out first. When we are granted forgiveness with God, we come into a beautiful, through grace, relationship with God, and it is restored. It becomes peaceful. We're brought to a place where we belong. See, apart from Christ, we don't belong. We've been separated from the Father. We've been separated from God because of our sin. And so Christ brings us nigh. Christ allows us to sit down again with the Father who once was an enemy, we were an enemy to him. Now we're seated at the table. Peace, family, friends. But Judas, Judas missed this. He missed the restoration. Suicide does not solve problems, it creates more of them. It is very doubtful that Judas was able to say at the point of his death, the same words that Jesus was able to say, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Doubt he was able to say that. Judas did not ultimately damn himself at the point of betraying Christ. But he most certainly did when he refused to have that relationship restored. Relationship restored. I'm convinced that had Judas sought the forgiveness that only Christ can give, he would have experienced the peace that only Christ can provide. One of the things that all the commentaries basically believe about Judas. Remember, there's not a lot necessarily about him, but one of the things that they all predominantly believe is that Judas was a fervent nationalist, that he was looking for the end of this Roman tyranny over this Jewish enslavement. That, that, that's what he was longing for. He was longing for there to be change. And the sad thing is, the third thing that he missed out on was Judas missed out on power. I think if you asked Judas what was the one thing that he craved or one of the things that he craved, I believe Judas would have responded, change, power. I think Judas really would have wanted the power to make a difference, the power to affect change, the power to, to get things done. And yet in his demise, many, many things are brought to mind but power is not one of them. Peace, definitely not one of them. Other things for sure come to mind. When Judas came to the end of his relatively short life, he kind of felt powerless 
to cope with the events of his life. Now, most of those events were of his own doing, and certainly towards the end. But he took what seemed to be the easy way out, and obviously he committed then the sixth commandment of thou shalt not kill. But Judas was so caught up in his own problems that he missed the one thing that he craved the most. Because just 40 days after Judas died, Jesus made this promise, made this beautiful promise to the remaining 11 disciples in Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So 40 days after he took his life, this amazing power is promised. And then about 10 days later, this power is literally unleashed an unparalleled magnitude began to swept the world. And Judas missed one of the things that had driven his life, the power to change, the power that only Christ can bring. And this gave the disciples a world-changing power that, the, uh, that, that they say literally changed turn the world upside down. This power that went out with the followers of Jesus Christ after the resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit coming down. That power that can only be described with the Greek word dunamis, which we get our English word from the root word dynamite. That's the power, my friends, in the resurrection. That is what comes to us when we trust Christ as our Savior. The same resurrection power that Judas so desired but missed is available to every single one of us. Earlier, before Christ was come down into Jerusalem, he was in Bethany, and there was some friends that lived in Bethany. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. And word comes to Jesus that Lazarus has now died. And you, if, if, if Jesus delays a little bit because he knew what he was going to do. He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he comes and he finally comes into town and Martha's like, if you had only been here, if you'd only been here, Jesus, things would have been different. My brother wouldn't be dead. And I love Jesus' response to her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus says, if any man believe in me, that life is given to them. That resurrection life, that resurrection power is given to them. And then he poses a question to her. Do you believe me? Do you believe me? Do you believe? Jesus doesn't merely say that he's here to bring about the resurrection or that he will be the cause of the resurrection. Both are true, but something much stronger. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection from the dead and this general, uh, genuine eternal life is fellowship with God. And it is so closely tied to Jesus. That's why we make a huge deal about him every single Sunday. That's why the first core value of our church is Jesus is our life. Because that's where the power resides, my friend. Jesus. Jesus. And we have that power when we've trusted Christ as our Savior. In Jesus Christ, we have this resurrection power. It's our present reality. Because of Jesus, we can experience the forgiveness of our sins, peace to go through this life, and the next in eternity. Christian, the resurrection secured for you real power to break the bonds of sin in your life. 
because of the resurrection, you now have the power to finally say no to that temptation. Because of the resurrection and the power of Christ, relationships that were broken can finally be restored. The power to love that human that is repulsive to you. The power to one day have your dead bodies resurrected from the grave. That's why when we have memorial services here at Redwood and we know that they're a believer, they're celebrations. They're celebrations because that body will be gone someday. Jesus changes everything. Do you believe that? Now let's be honest. We only trust. It's no good to go through life saying, I believe in a God, whoever he, she, it may be. That will be of no use to you when you die. You need to know God as your heavenly father through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. It's all about relationship. It's all about who you know. And can I, can I illustrate that for you here this morning? Niagara Falls, New York, has always been the location of daredevils of the day. And if you studied the, the history, you would find that many have found their death trying to cross, whether the upper or through the, uh, through the ravine at the bottom, trying to get across Niagara Falls. People have died literally um, by falling over in a barrel. They've tried to walk over it on stilts, all different types of things. Even most recently, um, within like the last 10 years, people have tried to jet ski down the falls and needless to say they didn't make it but i want to remind i want to remind some of you because i've told this story before about a summer day in 1860 because in 1860 this was a an a, a rare occurrence it was it was really unique a frenchman named charles blondin better known as the great blondin the greatest tightrope walker of at least his century, was going to make another attempt across the canyon of Niagara Falls. On the American side of the falls, there was some 100,000 fans kind of just cheering him on, and he crosses all the way over, and they're just cheering. Ah! And then he gives, goes back to the Canadian side where it's estimated there was over 110 thousand people that were there and again they're just they're cheering him on so he's done it a couple times already and then he begins to begins to yell down there and he says how many of you think that I can bring someone across in a wheelbarrow they're like yes you are Charles Blondin you're awesome yes you can do it he yells to the other side do you think I can do it yes yes and then he asks the question I need a volunteer And did you know, no one volunteered. But what was funny is just a few times earlier, he had literally taken his campaign manager across on his back. Why? Because they knew each other. He trusted him. Jesus said to Martha, do you believe me? Do you believe me? Do you trust him? See, Jesus is indeed trustworthy you might be asking but how can i know this to be true and to know that jesus christ really is my savior how can i know that well the bible tells us very simply in john 1 he came into his own and his own received him not 
But as many as received him, to them gave he power, gave the right to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you believe, he said to Martha. You can come to Jesus today and you can ask him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior. And Jesus would say to you to this, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Whoever comes to him for this forgiveness, simply in your heart, you can acknowledge before God that you are a sinner and that you need forgiveness and accept the free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ purchased for you. Judas was missing on that Easter morning and he missed out on so much. He missed out on forgiveness. He missed out of peace with God. And he missed out on the power of the Holy Spirit. He missed out on the power to bring real change. But I'm here to tell you that you do not have to. All that Judas missed is available to you this morning. Christ's forgiveness is just as thorough today, some 2,000 years later, and you have not done anything that's too vile for him to extend it to you. Ryan, you just don't know. It's not, that, it's not as vile. Nothing's too bad that Christ can't forgive you. The peace of God, it still, it, still, it still rattles the brain. It still passes understanding some 2,000 years later. All the power of the Holy Spirit can still change our world as effectively as it changed the world of Peter and Paul. But just as Judas had to make the choice for himself, you're going to have to make the choice for yourself. Do you trust Jesus? If you have you understand the forgiveness I'm talking about. If you have, you understand this amazing peace. And if you have, you know the power of the resurrected power of the Holy Spirit of God within you. But if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you might be asking, well, how do I, how do I receive this free gift of salvation from Christ? Can I review it again for you? It's been all through this message. But let me review it for you one more time. You must acknowledge that you are a sinner. God, I, I know I'm a sinner. We saw that in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God, I've acknowledged that you're a sinner. Then you, your sin must be paid for by death. Jesus paid that. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. It's got to be paid for. For the wages of sin is death. Well, who paid for it? Well, Jesus paid your penalty by dying in your place. The Bible says, but God commendeth, God shows, God displays his love toward you. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wages of sin is death. He died for us. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There it is. I'm acknowledging my sin. 
I'm remorseful of my sin. I know that Jesus, Jesus paid for my sin. But what did you just miss? Finally, you got to believe it. Ah, you say, Ryan, that's too simple. It was not easy for Jesus. Jesus had to die so it would be easy for you. There aren't, a ma- there aren't a ton of hoops that we have to go through. No, no, no. It's simply admit that you are a sinner. Acknowledge that sin drove Jesus Christ to the cross for you. And you believe. You accept him. You ask him to forgive you of your sin. The Bible says in Romans 10 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Do you believe? Do you believe? You know, you don't have to wait until you talk to me afterwards. Do you believe? Judas had some of it right, but he missed out on forgiveness, missed out on peace, and he missed out on power, and I do not want you to miss out on that. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. You could pray to express the